All right, let's, let's take our seats and let's get ready to go into the Word together today. Amen? Amen. So, you know how at weddings, uh, you know, people clink their glasses so that the bride and groom have to kiss. So, at our wedding, for some reason, I don't even know who started this, might have been my husband, I'm not even sure, but somebody started a thing where instead of that, in order to force us to kiss, the tables, we had people seated at tables, the table had to stand up and sing a song that had the word love in it. And every time the word love was said, we had to kiss. So there was a fair amount of consternation at first because people were like, we got to sing, like that's not, you know, that's not fun. But, you know, get a couple glasses of wine in people. And suddenly they were, you know, starting to stand up in a hilarious, you know, day ensued with people standing up and singing slightly off key, you know, a little too boisterously, things like she loves me, yeah, 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 she loves me. And we'd have to kiss every time the word love was said. And then it was love, love, love makes people happy. Love, love, love makes people glad. And so, you know, we're kissing and kissing and kissing through these songs. It was really great, really fun. (laughs) Yeah, Paul really liked that. Love's one of those words we throw around, right? It's really easy to throw it around. And of course, it's in every love song. We say things like, oh, I love your shirt, or oh, I love Krispy Kreme donuts. And so, you know, we say it like that. Um, But there's a lot of difference, right, between saying, I love Krispy Kreme donuts, even though I have a very deep love for Krispy Kreme donuts. It's very deep. But there's still a difference between saying that kind of love and saying at the altar to your husband or wife, as you're about to be married, I love you, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. Different kind of love, right? And so... Love, when it's at its best, when it is deep and unconditional and intentional, and uh, it, is, it is beautiful, and it is powerful, and it's, it's significant. And so it's interesting to me that when Jesus was asked, what are the two commandments that are most important, he picks commandments that are about love. Very interesting. So let's just look at this, um, this passage, Matthew 22, where we're going to be sitting today. Matthew 22, verses 36 to 40, teacher Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We're so used to hearing this as Christians who've been around the church for a while, we're, loved, we're so used to hearing love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself that we might not realize these came from two very different passages in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, very two, two different books even. Um, the first is from the Shema, which is a very, very significant passage to the Jewish people. In fact, today, to this day, Jewish devout Jews will say this three times a day. And the Shema, of course, is from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So that's where that first commandment comes from. But then, interestingly, Jesus skips ahead to um, this passage in Leviticus, which is a very strange passage. But in my Bible, I know the headings are not, you know, they were put in later, but the heading says various commands. <laughs> because it's just a long laundry list of random commands in Leviticus where it says everything from you know, keeping the Sabbath to not bowing down to idols, but also how to wear your hair and what to do with your animals and not when to eat from fruit trees, like all kinds of random commands in Leviticus 19. And right in the middle of that, Leviticus 19:18 pops out this passage, do not seek revenge 
or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So it's interesting that Jesus pulls this out. There had been some debate among Jewish scholars. It was a common thing to say, which are the greatest commandments? There were hundreds of commandments, so that they would debate about that. Some people would say the Sabbath is the greatest. Some people would say circumcision is the greatest because that sets apart the Jewish people. And Jesus puts all that to rest. He says, nope, it's about love. It's about love. love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So here we are in our series on who. What was our first thing that we talked about in the series on who? Who is God? Who is God? We talked about how his greatness and who he is and who is this, this God that we worship and why do we believe what we believe about him? And then we talked about what? Who? Who are we, right? That we are made in the image of God, that we're his people, that he, we are also people that need him. We need his grace. We're sinners in need of grace for him. And so now we are going into who are we to love because it starts to look outward from ourselves. We've figured out who God is, who we are we now, who are we to love. And here's the answer, plain and simple. Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. So that also means love yourself too. Got it? That's it. All right? Ready? You got it? Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Got it. Easy, right? No problem. Little hard, right? Harder, easy to say, harder to do, isn't it? I mean, think about it. We are being asked to love God, first of all, this creator God, this mighty, marvelous, inscrutable, powerful God who, whose ways we barely even grasp. Do you understand? Like what we see of God is this tiny grasp, and, and yet we're being asked to love him, and then we're asked to love each other. Everyone, no exceptions, not just the people that love you, but the people that are hard to love, the people that persecute you, the people that are mean to you, the people you don't like, all of those people. So this is, this is tough stuff. This is, these next couple weeks are going to be challenging, I think, for us to say, can we really love this way? Can we really love this way? It's so important that we do. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. love. So we're going to get this. So as the song says, let's talk about love. Ready? We're going to start with loving God this week. Next week we'll talk about loving our neighbor. How do we do it? How do we love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind? How do we do that? I got reading um, this book this, uh, this week. Uh, it's actually a book that I read a long, long time ago, but I spotted it in my library. It's called The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. He talks about the different kinds of love. And what's interesting is at the beginning of the book, in the introduction, he says, really, at its base level, human beings are capable of only two kinds of love. The first is gift love. Gift love is giving without any expectation of return. It's giving out of the goodness of your heart. It's giving sacrificially. It's giving unconditionally. It's that, that gift. It's a gift with no expectation of anything in return. And then the second kind of love is need love. It's when that person we love is filling a need for us. And he gave an example of a small child who's break, who skins their knee and they run to their mom or dad. They love their mom or dad and their mom or dad is going to comfort them in their pain with their skin knee, Right? And it's, a, it's love for someone who helps us, who brings us comfort or solace or, or, or help in our intellect or help in our emotions. And, you know, Lewis, if you've read any C.S. Lewis, he's very intellectual, you know, and so he kind of muses. He's like he's thinking to himself, talking to himself in the introduction. And he said, you know, when I was first going to write this book, I was going to say that gift love is the right kind of love, unconditional, 
expecting nothing in return, and that need love is not even barely love at all. You know, it's just about us. So how is that even love? Except then he said, I realize that all of our love toward God is need love. I mean, we don't give God anything that he needs. We need him. And when we give our love to God, even if we have those glorious moments where it really is as unselfish as we can be, still we receive back from him. Like he still gives back to us. We still receive. It's, it's never without, uh, with a pure motive, really. We just, we always receive from him. Our love for him is always need love. We always need him. And it felt important this morning that we, that we think about that. I, you know, when I first came to Christ, I didn't really think about it that way. Um, when I came to Christ, I actually thought I had it pretty well together and I didn't really need God. I know some of you probably came to Christ when you were at rock bottom. Everything was falling apart and Jesus like, was like a lifeline and pulled you out. And that's, that's a very common testimony. My testimony is not really that way. I thought I was doing fine. <laughs> I was good. I was really all put together, no problems at all. And I just came to faith in Christ because I thought it was true but I would never tell you I needed God. Like, that would be embarrassing to say I needed him. You know, I was very proud in my own way about I had it all together. And I actually went through my Christian life for quite a while this way. It took some time to recognize my pride and also to recognize the fact that, you know, it's not that God's lucky to have me on his team, Isn't he glad I'm serving him? But I really need him. I mean, not just to get my sins forgiven. Of course, that, that I did recognize at the first. But I need him to walk with joy and to walk with peace. I need him to have a purpose in my life. I need him to be the wife and mother and pastor and friend I'm supposed to be. I cannot do it without him. I'm not afraid to say I need God. And so... I think it's only when we realize that that we can come to him truly loving him. Scripture says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he knows that that means that you're going to need him, that your, your mind needs him, your heart needs him. Everything about our love for him is, we're, we're needy. And that's okay. He receives our love anyway. When we come to God with this kind of humility, I think we're starting to approach true love for God. We recognize who he truly is and can love him. And as a side note, if you know people, if you follow preachers or prophets or, you know, people write books or do speeches and they walk around, maybe they have a great ministry, maybe there's great miracles in their name, but you don't see that kind of humility. You don't see them saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong and I need Jesus more than anything else. And I would say that they're not operating out of love for God. It might be operating out of something else. True spirituality, true, true love for God comes from a place of humility, right? Amen. So let's start there. I want us to start from there. I always think about that song. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Sing it with me. Every hour I need you. My one defense my righteousness oh god how i need you amen right that's where we start stay in that place as we come to loving him with everything we have right so let's talk about practically 
from this place of our need, how can we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength? And I, I think often of the idea of a flower, of growing a plant in your garden. Love is one of those things that grows, right? You might have fallen in love with your spouse when you saw that pretty girl across the room and just had to marry her. You might have fallen in love then, but real love is when you've lived together a long time, right? <laughs> some, some real knowing looks there. When you've really walked through thick and thin and richer for poor and all of that, and, and it, gro- it grows. And so I want us today to use this image of a garden, of, of growing the flower of love in our heart, all right? And how are we gonna do that? And just like a plant, we need to have the right seed, we need to water it, we need to have some sunshine on it, and we need to cover it up when the, when the big storms come. And that's how we are gonna grow our love for God. So let's start with the seed. We've got to plant the right seed. Which God are we serving and loving? We can't love him if we don't know anything about him. And, this is even more important, we can't just make up what we think we want God to be like and then love that. This is a lot of what happens in the world, right? A lot of what what is called spirituality. It's just we make up what we want God to be like and then we love that. Well, that's not love. If I love you but I don't really love you, I love what you, I want you to be. That's not really love. I need to love who you really are. So we need to learn who God is. We need to make it our life goal to learn who God really is. How do we do that? How do we do that? We get into the word. The word is where we learn who God is, what he's like. We get in fellowship with others. I know that many of us grow up with the wrong idea about God, and so we're starting with the wrong seed when that happens. Some of us have grown up with an idea of a God who is overbearing and harsh and is is waiting for you to mess up, and the minute you mess up, you're punished and you're out. Some of us had parents like that, and that's kind of why we think God's like that. Some of us think God is like this nice grandpa, like he's just always happy to see you, and he gives you lollipops when you come, but he's got no real impact on your life. Doesn't really care what you do. Some people think God is this strict God that you gotta toe a line, you know, that wear a certain hair a certain way or clothes a certain way if you're going to be pleased by him. Who wants to love a God like that? You can serve a God like that, but you can't grow a love for God. We have to have the right seed. And so one thing I would say to you this morning is if you have a hard time loving God, if you say to yourself, I, you know, I, I don't know if I really feel like I love God, ask yourself, do I have the right seed? Do I, am I, do I really know who God is? We have to be aware of who he is. I want to say something that you probably have, have never, well, maybe you've heard it before, but I think it's something that we need to hear. The God of the Bible is good and not hard to love. We try to make him out sometimes to be hard to love. The world sometimes makes him out to be hard to love, but the God of the Bible is good. He's not hard to love. So we need to know who he is. I can't emphasize enough how much we have to be in the word for this to be the case. We have to be reading the Bible. We have to be studying the Bible. We need to be mentored and discipled in our faith so we understand what it says. Find people who are strong in their faith and learn from them. Study the Bible together. Come into life groups. Let's study together. This is how we grow, how we learn. Be in fellowship with others who are, who are studying the word, who love God, and, and it'll, it, it rubs off on you when you're with other people that love God. Please don't think that you're getting everything you need to love God by just coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm not that good. <laughs> you're getting a little word, you're getting a little music, but, but this is just a taste for you to then get into the word every day and start to say, Lord, speak to me through this and get to in the word with other people. 
This is how we learn who God is. This is how we learn who God is. So we're going to get the right seed, all right? Say amen, get the right seed. Get the right seed. Amen. Now, we can't stop there. I know a lot of good Christian people who have been coming to church, they go to Bible study, they even read their Bible in the morning, they have their devos, they have, you know, they go to fellowship, they've done all these things, and they say, still, I feel my love for God grows cold. And I think this can take place just like in a marriage where you're going through all the motions, but somehow the, the depth of relationship has started to fade away, and that can happen also in our walk with God. So we, we need to water our walk with God. We need to water that love for God. This is where it gets a little bit deeper. I had a plant in New York that I planted a couple years ago that was a beautiful flowering plant. I planted it outside, had a beautiful spot with sunshine, lots of water. That thing should have been beautiful. It was such a lovely plant, and it died. I was like, what's going on with my plant? And so I, I, when I dug it up, the soil around the root was almost as hard as a rock. I don't know what had happened with it, but it was like, it was like clay-like almost. And so the roots were there, but they were all in this hard soil. And so it was, whenever it was getting watered, the water would just run off and not get down into the roots. Do you understand? So there was no way for the water to nourish that plant down to its deepest roots. And I think this is such an image of what can happen to us as Christians. We've got all the right stuff on the outside. That plant looked great <laughs> until it died. <laughs> And in the same way, we can do all the right things, but if God's not getting down to the root of our soul, then our love for God's going to grow cold. It's not, gonna, it's not going to be there. It reminds me of this verse from Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. Your soul inside of you, whether you know it or not, is panting for God. It's thirsty, and it's like, give me water. And some of us are allowing a hard case shell around our roots. We don't want God to get into some of our business. But man, if you want your love to run full and flow for God, we need to let that, that root stuff get softened up and let him get his water down because we're thirsty for it, church. And you won't believe it until you start to let him in how thirsty you were. You know how that is when you take a drink of water and you realize you didn't realize how thirsty you were? because then you want to drink the whole thing. We're thirsty inside, church. We've got to let Jesus down into the very roots of our soul. It's about relationship. When you feel like you're dry in the Lord, don't just do more stuff for him. Allow him to come deeper into your soul. Here's, a, here's an interesting truth. I can't claim to love God with all of my heart if I'm only going to give him part of my heart. I can't claim to love God with all my heart if I'm only going to give him a little part of my heart. We need to just open up all of that heart to him, all of our soul to him. And so what, partly how we do this is to get us into a practice of letting him search our heart. Uh, David talks about this again in the Psalms 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. A really wonderful practical way to do this is the prayer of examine. Is anybody familiar with that prayer, the prayer of examine? It's from St. Uh, Ignatius of Loyola. He was a priest back in the 16th century. He founded the Jesuit order of priests, if you're uh, familiar with them. And he had his priests pray this prayer uh, many times a day, actually. Often people will pray it at the end of the day. And it is simply this. It's an examine. It's an examine of, your, of the previous 24 hours. 
And so it's a moment where, first of all, you invite the Holy Spirit in. You, you, you're doing this with the Lord, but you are letting him, kind of, you're kind of going through the course of the day, what happened during the day, kind of reflecting on the day, who you were with, what you're doing. And then it is ask, and it's thanking God for the gifts of that day, the gifts that he brought you. But then it's asking the question, what am I feeling? What was I feeling during those events? What was going on in my heart and my emotions during those times? What, what do I feel now as I think back on it? Was I angry? Was I sad? Was I f- afraid? Was I nervous? Was I happy? What was I feeling? And then with the Lord, begin to look at those feelings and ask him, what are you saying to me through those? How are you either comforting me, maybe convicting me, maybe just walking alongside me in that feeling? Where is the Lord in it? I love the way one priest put it, Friar Dennis Ham. He said, he calls the daily examine rummaging for God. You know how when you have like a junk drawer? Does anybody have a junk drawer? I got a junk drawer. We've only been here like a month and I already have a junk drawer, okay? So I, I don't know what to say about that. But anyway, uh, you, you have a junk drawer and you know like there's a uh, you know, tape measure in there. You just know it's there, but you gotta like rummage around <laughs> until you finally find it underneath everything. He says that's what the daily examine is like. He said it's like, it's like rummaging through all the stuff of the day and knowing that God is in there. God's speaking to you, he's calling to you, he's, he's helping you, looking for him in that drawer of your day. I love that. Isn't that cool? To realize that God's with us all the time. And this, this kind of self-reflection with God, bearing our soul to him, letting him know what we're feeling, what's happening deep down is a way that he can then come in with the water of his presence and his Holy Spirit and start to, to water that soul, our soul. So I thought we would do something different today. I thought we'd give it a try. Just have a moment of a prayer of daily examine today. Now, I know the day is not very long. It's only about 11 o'clock, so you haven't had a whole lot of the day to go yet. So you can think of of the last 24 hours. But I want us to take a few moments. We're going to close our eyes in a minute and just invite the Holy Spirit in. And I'm just going to have you quietly, this is all to yourself, this is just between you and God, to take a moment and reflect on the, the last 24 hours, what you did, who you were with, what you said. And then I'm going to have you take a moment to then thank God for any gifts of those from that day, that he, his gifts to you that day. But then ask the question, the important question, what was I feeling? What am I feeling now as I look back over that day? Am I, am I angry? Am I sad? Am I happy? Am I worried? What am I feeling? And then listen for the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Lord to speak to you in those feelings, in those moments. All right? So we're going to give this a whirl. All right? So let's just all close our eyes. And Holy Spirit, we invite you. We invite you to come into our hearts and our minds, Lord. We are thirsty for you this morning. And so, Lord, we just take a moment now to reflect on the last 24 hours, Lord. We reflect on where we've been, who we've been with, we, we walk through the day with you, Lord, and we want to thank you first for your gifts. So I'll just give you a moment to do that. And now as we reflect on those 
moments of the day, Lord, we want to bring to you what we were feeling, what we were feeling if we were afraid or happy or sad or anxious. We bring to you these feelings, Lord. We just acknowledge them before you. And now we rummage around for God. Lord, where were you in those moments? Where are you in our feelings now? What are you speaking to us, Lord? We're listening. We're listening. Thank you, Lord, that you are present in every moment of every day, every hour. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. What was that like? Kind of cool? Kind of cool? Just allow him to sort of soak into your, the deepest roots of your soul. Encourage you to do that. How does that help us love God more? It's just like when you're in a relationship with someone. If you keep everything on a surface level, your love is going to be surface level. But if we allow God into the deepest parts of our souls, our love for him is going to grow. Amen? Amen. All right. The third thing we're going to do to keep this plant, this flower of love for God growing, is to let the light shine on it. So the light, obviously plants need light, they need sunlight, and so do we. We need the light, and what the light does is it drives out the darkness, right? So it, it illumines the things that are not right, that are, that are darkness, and it, and, it, and it drives those things out. And so... This is a moment where we will need to, and sometimes this can be a result of a prayer of examine. Some of you might have felt what was revealed in those moments was, oh, shoot, I was not very nice yesterday. <laughs> I was very, very selfish, or I was in a bad mood with everyone, or I was allowing sin to get an upper hand in my life that I was trying to avoid. And, and so you may sometimes, through that kind of reflection, realize, wow, there's some things that aren't right. And this is good. <laughs> Doesn't feel good. But this is good. This is good because God is going to bring us into alignment with his ways. He wants us to listen and hear him and obey him. This is very clear in scripture that obedience to God will grow your love for him. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures about this. Psalm 97.10, first of all, says, let those who love the Lord hate evil. So if we're going to love him, we can't also love the evil things that we know take us down the bad paths. John, 1 John 2, 5, but if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. So there's this connection between listening to his word, obeying it, walking according to his ways, and our love for him will grow. And 1 John 5, 3, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. I love that part, because we sometimes think, oh, I don't want to obey God, that sounds, that sounds hard. <laughs> and it can be hard sometimes, but it's not burdensome. 
When we begin to realize God's heart for us and, and what he has for us, remember he created us as in his image, right? So when we obey him and we start to do things his way, we're starting to live according to the image of God that he puts in us. We're aligning ourselves with him. It's not a burdensome thing, it's a freeing thing because we start to be the person we were created to be and we know it once we start. It's hard to start obeying God <laughs> in an area, but once we start obeying him, we start to see the freedom the freedom, and we go, oh, thank you, God. I don't want to be a selfish person. I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be a person tied into addictions or other things. I want to be set free, Lord, and when we start to get that freedom, then we see that we're, we're beginning to be the image of God that God has created us to be. And so God is there with us. He helps us in our trials and in our weaknesses. He knows our struggles. The Holy Spirit is in every one of you, if you have received Jesus, he's in you and he is there to strengthen you. We're going to fall. We always do. <laughs> but we don't have to keep falling. We can keep coming back to God and he will strengthen us and he, he begins to break the power of that sin over us. We're not looking for perfection, but we want to we follow him. We want to obey him. And so our love for him will grow as we begin to allow that light to be shed into our lives, as we begin to bring our life into alignment with his, then suddenly we begin to care about the things he cares about. We're, we're excited about the things he's excited about. Our heart breaks for the things that break his heart. We begin to be more like Jesus. And that's what we want, right? Amen, amen. Obedience gets us on the same page with him. And that will grow our love for him. Fourth Thing we're going to do to allow our love to grow, to allow this flower of love to grow in our heart, is to let God cover you in the storm. If you're a gardener, who's gard any gardeners out here really like to work outside, you know that when a frost is coming, especially if it's a surprising frost, an early frost, what do you have to do for your tender plants? You cover them up, you put a tarp or a cloth over them so that they are just a little protected from the weather, from the storm that's coming. And this is such an image for us of what God wants to do for you when you are in a storm. He wants to cover you. So we can kind of like hide under the tarp with him. There's, a, there's great verses about he's our hiding place, and I just love that, that there's times, and it is okay, church, to, to step away from everything else sometimes when you are going through a hard time and go hide with Jesus. Just hide under, under the tarp with him and just be with him. We don't always have to be performing and doing and getting it all right and getting our prayers right. No, we can just hide with him. Sometimes that's all we can do. And I, I imagine there's some of us this morning who feel that way, that we're hanging on by a thread, not sure we can keep going. And Jesus has come, just like in Psalm 91, 4, he says, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Let Jesus just cover you and protect you and be with you. Cry out to him. And it doesn't need to be all that spiritual sounding. We don't have to work up a whole bunch of spirituality to just hide in Jesus. I, um, I remember when I had my third baby, Nate. Nate. And, uh, you know, it was great, of course, to have a third boy. But I had two little boys already who were about six and three. And then I had this newborn baby. So, all day long, I was running around after the little boys, and then all night long, I was up feeding the baby. 
So I was exhausted, right? I mean, then all, many of you can relate to this. So exhausted all the time. And I remember in the middle of the night feeding the baby and saying to myself, I'm your guy. I'm just, I'm just here. I got nothing else. I got nothing else to bring, Lord. Remember that need love we talked about? Sometimes we're just all need, and God just says, let me cover you. Let me put my arms around you. I love you. You don't need to be all spiritual sounding. We don't need to work up spiritual fervor to pray a certain way. We can just say, God, I'm, I'm here. That's all I got. I go, oh, that's all I got. And what you will find is that when you go through a trial like that and you just hold on to Jesus with all your might and you just, you just cover, let him cover you and you just rest with him and you stay with him and then, and then you come through the trial and you come to the other side and you start to feel like yourself again and you look back at that time, you realize, God, you were my refuge. You are my strength. You, got, you kept me together. You gave me a little bit of hope in the midst of all of that. And all oh, the love of God that bursts out of your heart. You've been so good to me, God. You've been so good to me. You've been so good to me, God. Thank you. And love bursts into flame. Trust him in the storm. Lean on him. Hide in him. Just tell him, I'm yours, God. I'm yours. David does it. I love this. He says in Psalm 116, I love the Lord. For he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. See, it, it, it created actually a greater commitment to God through that trial. The cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord, and what did he say? Lord, save me. That's it, not too, not too spiritual. Just save me, God. And the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This is why we need to have older saints in our life. Because older saints have walked through this a number of times. 
They can look back and they can say, I've been through this trial and that trial and this trial and that trial, and guess what? God was there in every single one, and he brought me through it. And I'm so inspired by people of faith like that who have known, known him and known him to be true in the midst of the storm, and he has been their refuge, and their love for God is big. I want to be like that. That's what I want. So let me just say to you, church, this morning, Gate City Vineyard, What's the word of the psalmist in Psalm 31? He says, love the Lord, all his faithful people. Love the Lord, all you faithful people. Love him. Grow that love. Make sure you've got the right seed planted. Get in the word. Okay, just even if you just pull it out and just just open up to a page and start reading. Get into the word. Study it together. Come to life groups. Come to church. Move heaven and earth. I'm so impressed with all you young families. I know what it's like to get a bunch of good little kids to church on Sunday morning. I got you. I I feel you. But move heaven and earth to get here and worship the Lord and hear his word. But then just don't stop there. Let him begin to soak his water into your soul, into the very depths of your soul. Let that hard crust around your roots start to get softened away. Let Jesus into those feelings and hurts and wounds. Let him start to come in with his water. And then allow the light to shine upon you. Let him start to speak to you about things that maybe need to change, that need to be transformed somewhat so that you can be in alignment with him. And then let him cover you. This morning, if you are feeling like I am in the midst of the storm, I need him. I need to just rest in him. After the song, let, come up and be prayed for. Let us help you sense the covering of Jesus. We will, we will pray that with you. Our prayer team will pray that over you, that you just sense the covering of Jesus over your hard time, over your trial. He is right there in the midst of it. Amen. Love the Lord, all you faithful people. Love him. Let's pray. Father God, we, we just... We do love you, God, with as much as we can. 